He's the expert. Wow. Boston turns to for all things baseball. Why was this guy on the roster? It's the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. Presented by Mass Mutual, official sponsor of the Boston Red Sox. Also brought to you by Bigelow T, Corona, Fubo TV, Gravely Zero Turn Lawnmowers, Jackson Lumber, True Made Foods, BostonRefunds.com, and Blue Moon Belgian White. On Boston's home for sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Means Tucker will swing away, maybe for the last time here. In the ninth inning, he has single walk, and he's also flied out and popped up. He is hit 25. 95 runs batted in. Rips that to left. Rev Snyder moving over. He's got it. And the Red Sox, in an absolute laugher today, wind up splitting this series with Houston 17 to 1 in a runaway. <laughs> Uh, it's a laugher. I get it. <laughs> oh, stop. My stomach hurts. Red Sox. 17-1 winners over the Houston Astros today in Houston. They salvage a split of the four-game series. That's something to be happy about. Isn't that something to be happy about, Jim Murray? If you're a Red Sox fan, I'm asking you to take an out-of-body experience here. Yeah. Or to have an out-of-body experience. If you're a Red Sox fan, 2-2. Two and two. Jimmy Stewart, I want your take on this, too. Two and two in the four games in Houston, given the way it's well, I'm not even gonna say given the way it started. Big picture, two and two. They go in there. You happy? Is that good? You happy with the way it went? Yeah, they should be happy with that. But I, I don't think you can discount with the way the way it started, because you know, the bats fell silent. They kept leaving runners in scoring position. If you split that series the way it started, yeah, you're happy. Jimmy? Fun singular game today. Fun last night, but the team still got problems. 86 wins, which is what they're projected for right now, doesn't get you into the playoffs, I don't think. Okay, so uh, let me just say quickly, uh, obviously, Baseball Hour will be next uh, with you, rather, for the next hour. 617-779-0985 is your phone number. We'll take you up until 7 o'clock. And I want to introduce two topics tonight because we will not have a show tomorrow night. And the reason we won't have a show is because the Patriots are playing the Tennessee Titans we are the home for New England Patriots football. We are your home for New England Patriots football. So we will be uh, broadcasting pregame right up until kickoff tomorrow night. There will be no baseball hour. As such, we are going to talk about Mookie Betts and his return to Fenway Park tomorrow night. Tonight. We're going to do that tonight as well. Four years later, after the deal, or three years later, but effectively Mookie's in his fourth season now with the Dodgers. How do we look at that thing? How do we reassess it? So two topics. One is the Red Sox performance in Houston, how we look at it. Two is Mookie Betts. And I'm going to give you my assessment on both of those here right off the top. So uh, Murray and Jimmy Stewart both say the last four days in Houston, overall, you should be happy with it. Sort of mixed reviews there. Jimmy uh, Stewart says the Red Sox still have problems. And they're both right. What I would tell you is this. When you are behind in a playoff race and you go 500, and you're in the same spot you were at the beginning of the series, but four days are off the schedule, that's a loss. The schedule, the days off the calendar hurt. You only have, what is it, like 35 games left to go or something like that with the Red Sox, 34, whatever it is, 30-some-odd games to go. There were three games out in the loss column going in. There are three games in the loss column going out, and that uh, you know would be the case. It could be four in the loss column, depending on how Toronto does tonight against the Orioles. So the point is this. They didn't gain any ground. Now, you can say, well, yeah, man, they didn't lose any ground either. I know that. 
but that doesn't help them. Staying where they are does not help them. They are behind. They're chasing. They need to make up ground. So if you get through this 10-day stretch and you're in exactly the same spot, well, now guess what? A week from now, you have 28 games to go, a month left in the season, and you're still three and a half out. So the Astros, the Blue Jays, have chopped another 10 days off of that schedule and have not lost any ground to you. That's a win for them. They're ahead. It's not a win for you. It's a win for them. Now, Mookie Betts made comments in today's Boston Globe to Peter Abraham, who went to see Mookie Betts in Cleveland uh, before he returns to Fenway Park tomorrow night. And Mookie Betts says, I don't know where all these stories come or these reports come that I wasn't happy in Boston. I was happy in Boston. I thought I was going to remain there my whole career. Don't look at me. I wanted to stay. Do you guys believe him? Murray and Jimmy Studio? No. No, not at all. Okay, why not? Uh, I think it's just way too after the fact, and it's convenient timing considering he's coming back here for the first time with the Dodgers. I think it was pretty apparent at the time that both parties were responsible for him no longer being here. The Red Sox really didn't fall over backwards and do everything in their power to try to keep him and bowl him over with a giant trash bag full of money, and I don't think he was really happy here. I don't think I don't think Betts was happy here. I think in the story there was no counter offer from Mookie Betts. There was no number to match from Mookie Betts. And something that went underreported was he was on that flight clapping at Eckersley. So he was obviously miserable. This is years ago where Eck was critical of David Price and Mookie Betts was one of those people along with Dustin Pedroia and others on that flight to New York who were taunting Eckersley. It's just a small example of how Mookie Betts didn't like the culture around this baseball team. So I happen to agree with you, I, and, but I just want to clarify my point on this. I said this today. There was a caller that got very angry at me during Felger and Maz. I'm not really sure why, but I will tell you that when the Mookie Betts breakup happened, I said Mookie Betts didn't want to be with the Red Sox. They have no choice but to trade him. I said that back in 2020. He doesn't want to be here. They've made some attempts to try to sign him. Uh, He doesn't want to be here. He wanted to move on. And he had said repeatedly along the way, all I want is what uh, is due to me, what I'm worth. And there was every indication that Mookie Betts was going to go to free agency. Then he got to the Dodgers during the pandemic where they hadn't played a single game and re-signed with them for $365 million over 12 years, which I'll have you know is less than what Raphael Devers got from the Red Sox on an average annual basis. That's right. Mookie Betts got 30.4, $30.4 million dollars from the Dodgers, AAV on that contract. Devers got 31.4 from the Red Sox, about a million dollars a year difference. Now, Mookie Betts got a longer deal, but the AAV, the Red Sox actually paid Devers more. Now, I think there's all kinds of lying that has gone on in this thing, but being the big man that I am, and when I say big, I mean magnanimous. (laughs) Sorry. I look at it, in retrospect, I put too much of this on Mookie Betts. Three years ago, I put way too much on Mookie Betts. Do I believe that Mookie Betts wanted to stay with the Red Sox? No. But I also think the Red Sox didn't want to keep him. And I think that knowing what we know now, which is to say that the Red Sox have dropped to the middle of the pack in payroll in Major League Baseball, 
and that I think they signed Raphael Devers largely because they needed to show their fan base they weren't going to completely strip it down to nothing, rip it down to the studs. I I almost think uh, in a lot of ways Raphael Devers was kind of a mercy bleep. Like it really was, it had that kind of feeling to it. So I would say now they were kind of made for each other. Mookie Betts didn't want to play here anymore, and the Red Sox didn't want to pay him anyway. So they both kind of half-assed it and made it look good. And then as soon as Mookie Betts got to the Dodgers, he re-upped, and uh, the Red Sox moved on and were only happy to avoid paying him a 12-year, $365 million contract. Can I just read these comments to you quickly? Dan Shaughnessy wrote this uh, in today's Boston Globe, and I'm not talking about the Mookie Betts comments. I'm talking about what John Henry said. Five years ago, three years ago, whenever I guess it was three years ago when Mookie Betts left, three and a half. On January 10th, less than a month before Betts was dealt, Shaughnessy writes, Red Sox owner John Henry, overseeing the top payroll in baseball, returned an email from yours truly and stated, we are focused on competitiveness over the next five years. Henry insisted that competing over the next five years was more important than cutting player payroll. You seem to think Hyam was brought in to reduce payroll, Henry wrote. That has simply not been the way FSG operates here or across the pond. FSG is obviously Fenway Sports Group, which owns uh, Liverpool well as well. rather. We try to act responsibly so as to be consistently competitive, end quote. Three and a half weeks later, Shaughnessy writes, Betts was traded to the Dodgers. In that moment, Bloom said, it's reasonable to expect we're going to be worse. A week after the trade, Sox ownership convened in Fort Myers, Florida, and took questions. Henry characterized the deal as a, quote, baseball trade. And Chairman Tom Werner said, quote, it wasn't a salary dump. It was to give us flexibility. It was a wise trade. Now, again, The salary dump part of it is because David Price was also sent in that deal and he was sent to relieve, uh, you know, or to to relieve the Red Sox of the responsibility of his contract. The Red Sox had to pay half of Price's contract to get rid of him. The Dodgers took on the other half. As a result, the Red Sox got a lesser return than they might have otherwise for Mookie Betts. They got Alex Verdugo, they got Connor Wong, and they got Jeter Downs. A return that I would call, in all honesty and with as much vigor as I can generate, meh. I think that was it. Meh. Kind of a meh return for Mookie Betts. But they didn't have to pay Mookie. They dumped his salary at the time, which is $20, 25000000 million, if I remember right. They dumped the $16 million that they had to pay David Price, 16 of the 32 that they had to pay David Price. So they saved about $35 million, $36 million on that team's payroll that year. And they got a pretty ordinary or pedestrian return for one of the best players in the game. Now Mookie Betts is coming to Boston tomorrow night. He's a World Series winner in the interim since he's departed. He might be on the way to another MVP this year. He's having that kind of year. And the Red Sox? fighting to stay out of last place, which they may have succeeded in. They're going to be in fourth, I think. They split with the Astros today, which may or may not them keep them in the playoff race, depending on how you perceive it. 
bets and the Dodgers come in for the middle three games in this 10-game stretch that may decide the Boston baseball season. So my question to many of you out there are questions tonight. Number one, was the split in Houston a good thing? Do you believe in the Red Sox any more short-term and long than you did two days ago when they were, it seemed like, dead and buried? And when Mookie Betts comes to Fenway Park tomorrow night, what kind of reaction do you think he'll get? What kind of reaction do you think he uh, should get? And what would you give him for a reaction? Those sort of all, all tied together. That's where we begin tonight on the Baseball Hour, 617-779-0985. Your calls next. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on backstagecountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Talking about the hits and misses on and off the field. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Did not look timid in the least against Verlander. Swing and a drive. This one deep right field. Watch this baby go. Gone into the second deck. His first big league home run, and it was a blast and a half. And the Red Sox add on Abreu with a two-run homer and an absolute no-doubter. Are you kidding me right now? The lower half, the power this kid has, and yesterday in the cage it was louder than anybody on that team. That ball was louder than a lot of swings you're going to see. Upper tank got all of it. Consistent at bats for Abreu. I'm telling you, that approach plays. Okay, and that was today. Will your Abreu had one of the Red Sox home runs in the game. Just to give everybody a you know a quick point of view, Abreu was at AAA Worcester this year. Batted 274, 22 home runs, 65 RBI. I think he had a three-homer game earlier in the year. He is worth mentioning because he was one of the uh, high and bloom acquisitions in the uh, Christian Vasquez deal at the All-Star break or at the trade deadline a year ago. Uh, Emmanuel Valdez with the other was one of them. Uh, Will Urabreu was the other. Now, Valdez was up early in the year, got some hits. He's kind of vanished. That guy's completely disappeared, Emmanuel Valdez. And he looked like a complete butcher in the field, which made him perfect for this team. Because that was a disaster defensively overall the team for the season. I'm trying to see what uh, Valdez is now hitting at AAA uh, Worcester. He's hitting 247 in the minors this year. Let me see if I can give you an exact breakdown in terms of what he's hitting at AAA Worcester. Uh, 247, 874 OPS. Is it for some power? But Abreu feels like the better player to me. So, again, if you got one player out of that deal, it could turn out. I mention it because it all relates to High and Bloom, as Mookie Betts relates to High and Bloom, and really on more of a level ownership. I put that the specific Betts thing on ownership more than Bloom. But, you know, Bloom had at least a hand in the return. But you get the idea. It's all about the ownership and management of the Red Sox, where this team's going, whether you think they're in the race. And with Betts coming back, it feels like a good time to evaluate. How do you feel about the last three and a half years? Mookie Betts is winning. Mookie Betts is playing like an MVP. And again, let me say this part. 
I put it on Mookie Betts when he left. I was wrong to do that. It should be on both of them. I still don't think Mookie Betts wanted to play here. So I think that everything he's saying is complete bullcrap. But the idea that the Red Sox wanted to pay him, I think is complete nonsense too. They were behind the negotiation the whole way. The whole way. But I'm eager to hear what many of you have to say. Uh, Martin in Texas, kick us off. All right, Tony. Uh, when it comes down to Mookie Betts, to me, he the only player better than him in the whole league is Shohei Otani. And I just wish they paid him at the time. I think if they gave him the right deal, which they weren't willing to, uh, he would have taken it if it was a fair offer. And we'd have the second best player in baseball right now. And we'd be in a much better position. Okay, so Martin, I half agree with you. I don't think he would have taken it. I don't think he wanted to be here. So again, in that way, you can say, well, then what difference does it make with the Red Sox? I don't think they wanted him to take it. I think if they wanted him to take it, they would have offered him the $365 million that the Dodgers did. Instead, they offered him 290, 295, whatever the number was. And this was another comment that Mookie Betts made to Peter Abraham in the story in the Boston Globe that the Red Sox never offered him $3 million. Now, I heard it was a little less than $300 million. So maybe Mookie Betts is playing word games with Peter Abraham at the Globe. 295, 298. The Red Sox wanted to keep that number under 30 million at that time. With Raphael Devers, they went over. But again, I don't know. I'll ask all of you. Who would you rather have? Raphael Devers or Mookie Betts? Raphael Devers, who looks more and more like a designated hitter every day, or Mookie Betts, who's a gold glove caliber outfielder and has played outfield, second base, and shortstop for the Dodgers here. Probably all three of them better than anybody on the Red Sox could play with the possible exception of shortstop, given Trevor Story's play last night. So, you know, to me, it's a no-brainer. And I don't know how Mookie Betts is going to age. I also don't know how Devers is going to age. And there's a chance that Devers, by the time he gets to be 35, first of all, he could be a DH at 31, let alone 35. And when he gets to that age, he might look from like Trent Brown, for all I know. Uh, Ryan's in a truck. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, no, I think uh, – sorry, my seatbelt uh, light's on. Um, no, I, I definitely um, – I agree with, like, everything you're saying, but one thing that kind of still bugs me is and we did not get nearly enough for Mookie Betts. Let's be clear. Alex Verdugo sucks. He's a 270 with under 10 home runs hitter. And I, I understand the money movement and all that, but – you know, and, and I, I need to be fair. I need to be. I need to be clear that you know, Bogarts. The Bogarts thing was probably the right decision to, uh, to let him go to, but Mookie is a trans, like just a, a generational player. He's 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 hitting three hundred with freaking thirty six home runs this year or something crazy. Like what we gave up, uh, what we I mean, what we got back for him was just not anything appropriate. Okay, but Ryan, here's the problem. When you trade a guy like Mookie Betts, you're never, you're never going to get equal value back, or rarely. Okay, You're going to get pieces. It's the classic horse for ponies. How many times have I said this over the years? You trade a horse for ponies. That's what happens in those kinds of deals. Sometimes you get a, a prospect back who turns into another horse. The large majority of them do not. So you weren't going to win that deal. Here's the, other, here's the part of the deal that really, in retrospect, should anger the crap out of you, and we talked about this today on Felger and Maz. This is the part that should drive you bananas. The Red Sox attached David Price to Mookie Betts. 
They wanted to dump half of David Price's salary. We don't put nearly enough emphasis on this part of it. And because of that, they got a lesser return. The Dodgers did not want David Price, but they took him for $16 million because the Red Sox ate the other 16 Had the Red Sox just held on to David Price or eaten the whole thing and just paid him and gave him to the Dodgers for free, they would have gotten a better return. So that was a that was a, a demonstration right there that it was a salary dump, despite what Tom Werner said in the column today with Dan Shaughnessy. And I say the column today, the quote was from three and a half years ago. But please, it wasn't a salary dump. Then why was David Price in the deal? David Price had no value. Everyone knew David Price was a colossal pain in the ass, at least here. And he wasn't he had not been worth the money here, all things considered. Now, in the 2018 postseason, he was terrific. But that thing was was horrible. It was a horrible match from the start. Uh Adam in Pawtucket. Go ahead, Adam. How's it going, Tony? Um, yeah, you took uh you said exactly what I was kinda gonna say about um you're never gonna get like everyone's talking about the return on on uh, the Mookie trade. You're never gonna get with something like that. You're never gonna get the the value back. You know that's equal or better. Um, but I feel like the whole Mookie the whole Mookie uh, trade. I feel like it's one of those things that's like the managers and um, the organization where they you know they say they're gonna part ways or mutually part ways. It's all BS. You know you know the Red Sox didn't want to pay him and 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 Mookie. Didn't want to be here at the same time. So it's, you know, it's it's an equal thing. But I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, so Adam, I'll tell you what. In retrospect, when you look at the whole thing, and, and um, even if the Red Sox wanted him, I don't think Betts was going to stay. And at the end of the day, I don't think the Red Sox wanted to pay him. But if they were really trying to build a championship team in the next generation, the previous caller mentioned Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, Raphael Devers. If you were going to keep two out of those three, the guys you keep are Betts and Devers. Now, you could argue Bogarts at that time. Mookie Betts is a more productive offensive player. And frankly, he's a better defensive player than either one of those guys. So Mookie Betts, assuming everyone wanted to stay, Betts should have stayed. And then I would argue you keep Devers over Bogarts, which I argued when it came down to those two. I argued if you're going to keep one, you keep Devers. He's left-handed more power so more productive hitter if you had Mookie Betts endeavors in the middle of your lineup Murray three four one's a lefty runs a righty and, may, and maybe uh yeah, Jimmy's holding up a one two in the control room meaning that that's Betts a great one two punch right bet well not only that Betts hits leadoff because he doesn't like to hit third or fourth or in the middle of the lineup he liked hitting leadoff which is fine but say they're one two you don't think you might have the best right-left combination in terms of hitters back-to-back in all the big leagues if you have those two guys? The only one that might be better is Otani and Trout. And they suck. The Angels have never been able to figure it out. You're smarter than they are because everyone's smarter than the Angels. They're a bunch of morons. They feed them bologna sandwiches, I heard. Yes. Yeah, one of them's always hurt. So really, like, you look at that and you say, now you have an elite middle of the order. Elite. You know, or an elite collection of... Uh, one, two, you know, as I say, Ortiz Ramirez, that was the biggest reason you won from 03 to 07. You had the, you had the, a uh, Jimmy Fox and Babe Ruth back to back for crying out loud. One righty, one lefty. 
Stan in Medfield on the Red Sox defense. Go ahead, Stan. Hey, so yesterday, Maz, you were talking a lot about the defense, and I tuned in around the fifth inning last night, and there I am. I'm sitting there, and the sixth inning, Whitlock is diving to make a play, which should have been honestly made by Connor Wong. Then the seventh inning, there was almost a tag at second base where the shortstop and the and the second base almost collided to make that, that out at, at second. And then in the eighth inning, you got the uh, – there's a drive to center left and the left fielder and the center fielder almost collide again. It was just like every inning there was a gasp and you're sitting there like, oh my God, are they going to actually field the ball correctly? Okay, so Stan, I, yeah, I admit some heart-stopping moments with the Red Sox in the field, there usually are. I think it last night overall, because the plays you're talking about that were you know, close, were near misses, I think overall, their defense last night actually helped bail them out. Now, the Whitlock play, it ended up being for naught because there was uh, there was interference on the play called on Alex Bregman on Connor Wong, so he was called out automatically. Uh, Wong couldn't see the ball off the bat, but then Bregman got in his way. Still, Whitlock made an amazing play on it. And then in the eighth inning, Trevor Story made an absolutely terrific play to prevent the Astros from taking the lead. So... Uh, which led me to a different observation with the Red Sox. We'll get to that when we come back. We'll play those two highlights, too, by the way. Jim Murray's got your headlines here. Catch up on the latest. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Now, more of Boston's best baseball ever. The Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on the Sports Hub. I have to go back to the beginning of our show, where we started, and there's just horrendous news about Shohei Otani. If you were just waking up and you have not heard yet, he was pulled from his start against the Reds yesterday with what was initially diagnosed as arm fatigue and then later diagnosed as a tear in his ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow. In other words, it's a UCL tear in his pitching elbow. He will not pitch again this season. He may need surgery. A reminder that he'll be a free agent this offseason. Here's Buster only with the reaction. There's so much to get to here. Let's start with just that. As you've been talking to people around the sport overnight and this morning, Buster, what are you hearing? A lot of sadness because Shohei Otani was doing unprecedented things in baseball history, being one of the top 10 pitchers. At the same time, he was one of the top 10 hitters. And so the news that he's not going to be able to pitch the rest this year and that his pitching future is now up in the air reminds me of when Bo Jackson got hurt on the football field, where you were in that moment, you knew, oh, my God, we're, we had such a gift of being able to watch this incredible athlete do these incredible things, and now it's not going to happen. And I will tell you that uh, this news also gives context for teams that were looking at Otani and wondering, why has he stopped throwing his split-fingered fastball, which is one of the most devastating pitches in baseball, something he hasn't thrown this year? You do wonder, has he been feeling discomfort in his elbow during the course of this season? 
I just wanted to touch on this, too, because I have to admit, when I saw this story this morning, oh, it was depressing. Depressing. Shohei Otani is the reason to watch Major League Baseball. If you had to boil it down to one thing, you were trying to sell somebody on the game from Jupiter, Pluto, whatever, let alone anywhere in the world. If you were to say to someone, try to give someone one reason to watch baseball, you know what you would say? Shohei Otani. He was the guy. I mean, he, he had, talk about a guy who completely changed the sport. But a revolutionary in a lot of ways, throwback maybe, but given the history of the game, took you back to a, a bygone era. He's the true definition of an asses and seats player. Totally. Like you would pay extra money to go see that guy when he was in town. No question. The guy. And on the verge of securing the biggest contract in the history of sports. This injury, it'll be a second Tommy John surgery if and when he has it. This injury cost him more than a half a billion dollars as of today right now. I think it is the most costly injury in the history of professional sports. Isn't a quarter of a billion more accurate? Because, like, people expected he was going to get half, right? So now he'll get, like, 250, 300. Okay. So I said as of right now. So let's see how it goes in free agency. Murray, you're right. If he goes into the market as a hitter and wants to give up pitching and, you know, sort of, uh, let's just say, rehab his elbow if he can get away with it, enough so that he can continue to hit, maybe play the outfield from time to time, fine, no problem. He gets a $250, $300 million contract. He makes half of his money back. But I, I'm not sure which way this thing's going to go in terms of free agency. I think that there is a shot that he will sign a one- or two-year deal with the team. And I say one, it's really going to be a two- or a three-year deal. Because if someone wants him to pitch again, then he has to have the surgery, miss part of the time, then come back and pitch, in which case I think you're looking at a three-year deal. But I thought this injury was devastating. Oh, it's terrible. To the sport. Yeah, totally. To the sport, let alone to him. Devastating, devastating injury. And, you know, for him, who knows how much money it will cost him. I mean, it just right. kind of killed. I mean, never mind the on-the-field stuff and, again, how he's asses and seats, a guy you have to watch. Like, this just killed what was going to be kind of a fun off-season, right? Like, with the hot stove stuff, like, who's going to pay for this guy? You know, if that was if there was the Red Sox of old, you would think it would be Red Sox-Yankees. Like, a big arms race for Shohei Otani. Now that's all kaput because his arm just, you know, turned into dust. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a way to check this, Murray, but it felt to me like any time there was some sort of breaking news in baseball this year, you get a notification on your phone or... I'd be willing to bet uh, a big percentage of those, define that however you want, was him. Yeah. And I'd be willing to bet that the return rate on the, and I say, it's, I think it's obvious, the return rate on those notifications was highest on Shohei Otani. Right. You get the alert, alert, alert and you're like, oh, I got to see this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You Whereas click on that. More often than not, you're like, swipe up. I'll deal with this later. Right. It's whatever. not a big deal. Just, okay, yeah. that happened. Fine. I don't want to see it. But with Otani, you want to see it. So you engage. Shohei Otani got people to engage on baseball. It's a massive, massive blow to the team. Uh, Jim in a car on John Henry and the Red Sox spending. Go ahead, Jim. Thanks, Dennis, for taking the call. Um, certainly it was a price dump with Price and Mookie, but there's been a lot of other good players that the Red Sox let go because they didn't want to pay them. Michael Walker, 
Evaldi, um, and uh, uh, Schwarber. Um, so the philosophy's changed. The, you know, that's demonstrated with being a middle of the pack in salaries, ranked about 14th. The Red Sox used to go for the big name players and get them: Schilling, Pedro, Manny Ramirez. So uh, I guess I long for the older days rather than the um, the new philosophy um, yeah. of trying to be competitive. John, we all do. We all do. And I'll tell you what, like on some way, when I was reading uh, uh, John Henry's comments, and these are a few years old, in the Dan Shaughnessy column today, his his comment that, you know, we don't cut payroll, we just, we spend carefully, We're you know, we spend responsibly to try to maintain our level of competitiveness over the long term. You could probably argue that they're still spending close to what they did five years ago and that they've slipped in payroll because everybody else is paying more. Fine. So the Red Sox haven't cut payroll as much as we think. I look at that, though, and say, what's the difference? It's all about the ranking in sports, in competition. It's all about the ranking. If you hit 30 home runs but the league leader hits 50, then you're not close. You follow me? It's not about what the actual dollar amount is. It's where you are relative to everybody else. I think the Red Sox should be a top five payroll team. At a minimum, they should be top seven or eight. This year, they're like 12th, 14th, whatever, depending on what metric you want to use. They've slipped it in the middle of the pack. They are a mid-market team or a mid-market spender. That's just not good enough. Uh, Eric and Redding, get Eric. Matt, Jimmy, two quick points. They are intelligent, insulting tightwads, and it's disgusting. You, you know, they act like they want a guy, but then they deliberately lowball him and that, to let them know that they don't really want the player. The player gets annoyed and leaves, just like they did with Mook, just like they did with Xander. They didn't really want Xander. Just, and then they turn around, insult their intelligence by claiming that they wanted him, and then they don't. And number two, their judgment when it comes to picking replacements is atrocious. Xander hasn't been all that great in, in San Diego, but Trevor Story has been incredibly injured, and he's not hitting all that well enough to justify being a good replacement for Xander. Thanks. Yeah, and you know why that is? Because he's not as good. So Trevor's story cost $23 million a year. They got him, again, damaged goods when they signed him. All the other shortstops in that market got over 30 or in that range. So they got a cheaper price on a guy who strikes out more, doesn't make contact as consistently. Look, Story's a good player. I'm not telling you he's a bum. Story's a good player, and there's a place for him. But he's not a as much of a centerpiece as Bogart says, and you could argue that uh, uh, Trevor Story is a a more shrewd signing than Xander Bogarts. That value wise, it makes sense. But he can't hit in the same spots in the lineup that Bogarts can. He's not as tough and out as Bogarts is. So you know you want to carry Story as a as a guy who is a. Uh, what's the word, like a supporting actor, for lack of a better word? Fine, no problem. You can win with Trevor Story, but not as a centerpiece guy. Uh, Howard's in Mashpee. Howard, go ahead. Hi, I was wondering if the Red Sox had offered Mookie what the Dodgers did, do you think he would have taken it and this would all be for not? So my answer is no. My answer is no, he wouldn't have taken it. And uh, someone sent me an email 
Uh, just reminding me of what the reports were at that time. Mookie's counteroffer to the Red Sox at that time was $420 million. Uh, Mookie denies in the story with Peter Abraham today in the Globe that he made a counteroffer at all, to which I would say, well, wait a minute. Which one is it then? And I don't mean the offer or, the, or, or not. I mean, if Mookie Betts was willing to stay here, why didn't he give the Red Sox a number or an offer that said, meet this number and I'll stay? If that's how he felt and he was shopping for a house and all that other stuff, that he and his wife were prepared to make Boston their home, why didn't he go to the team and say, okay, for me to stay, here's what it's going to take? Why didn't he do that? Because he wanted to reserve the ability to say no, no matter what they put in front of him, because he wasn't going to sign here. And you know what? The Red Sox were never going to match it, no matter what the number was. It was that stupid game of back and forth where the Red Sox offered, uh, you know, made offers that they knew that Betts wouldn't accept that were short of the number, and Betts, if he did make offers, were outrageously high because they knew he knew they wouldn't give it to him. So they just played a stupid game. Uh, Paul is in Danvers. Paul, go ahead. Hi, Maz. How are you? Good. What do you got? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I got a couple points. Uh, you know, when you compare money, uh, and unfortunately, sports is all about money now, but when you compare it, you're comparing Devers that signed this year, that Mookie who signed four years ago. Yep. So now, how much has salaries gone up in the last four years? Not as much 30%? as you think. No. 35%? No. Not that yes. much. No, not as much okay. as you think. All right, so 25%. Now, also, when Mookie signed, I believe he was the second highest paid player in baseball behind Mike Trout. Paul, he got a longer contract. I let you go. He got a longer contract. He got 12 years. But he didn't, he didn't get the money you think he did. And when I say that, I mean with the deferred money. He got $110 million or 111 in deferred money. And you know what deferred money does to the average value? It brings it down tremendously. The Red Sox did this with uh, with um, Chris Hale, by the way. They deferred some money so that while he's being paid $29 million a year or the average of the contract is $29 million a year on sale, the a luxury tax number for luxury, luxury tax number for the purposes of accounting with sale was twenty five. You know what Mookie Betts' luxury tax number is with the Dodgers because of the deferred money? $25.5 bucks. You're telling me the Red Sox couldn't afford $25.5 million bucks on their luxury tax and pay Mookie Betts? They couldn't have done that? So, like, when you want to explain the math to me, I know the math. I've talked about, covered, and written baseball for 30 years. I know the economics of the game. I know how the contracts work. I know how the averages are figured out. I understand payroll. I know all of it. Inside and out, pretty much. Not as sharp as I used to, but pretty much. The luxury tax number is the one that matters. The Red Sox can pay whatever they want. The franchise is worth $5 billion or whatever it is. They can pay it. So don't don't bat an eye over that. The luxury tax number for Mookie Betts, $25.5 million. You're telling me they couldn't have paid that or afforded it? Of course they could have. Of 
course they could. But they didn't want to pay it. And in the same breath, I'll tell you, Mookie Betts wasn't going to take whatever they offered. Then he got to Los Angeles, never played a game out there, and he signed in 10 minutes. I mean, that was, if that doesn't become, and and you know what? I haven't even gotten to, just look at his demeanor since he's been in L.A. Like a different guy. Completely different guy. And that's okay. Just don't feed me the bull crap that that you wanted to stay here. Because you didn't. And I would say the same to the Red Sox. Stop with the bull crap. We'll wrap it up with your calls next. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. You're listening to the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on the Sports Hub. Good. Uh, it started with Doogie and the first at bat, and um, you know we we kept grinding all the way till the end. You know it was a uh, a good effort by everybody, um, great effort by Brian going deep into the game. We needed that. Uh, Yovi finished the job, and now we're in a better place uh, going into the weekend. After today's blowout win over the Astros, I mean, good bounce back for the Red Sox in this series. I will give them that. No question about it. In fact, we'll play you one other Cora uh, cut here. The you know, Let's not forget where the Red Sox were a couple of nights ago. And coming out of that loss going into last night, really tw- a little more than 24 hours ago. Coming out of that loss... Cora ejected, Verdugo ejected. They didn't sound like they were all that happy with one another. They come out, they win last night, then they win today. It's pretty good. Pretty good bounce back. Again, doesn't really help them. You got to keep playing, though. And I will say they bounced back a number of times this year. Jimmy, if we could quickly, uh, just because I liked sort of the tone Cora spoke with here. Cora number five, if we could. How big is it for you guys just to salvage a split here and going into the next? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought the season was over three days ago, but that's not the case, man. If you follow this team, uh, you know it's a roller coaster, right? And uh, we still have I don't know how many games left, and um, you know we get a chance to to keep playing good baseball. This the weekend is going to be fun. Uh, we get them again next weekend, and then you know we just keep rolling. So uh, it was a good road trip, uh, just a few bad innings, a few defensive mistakes, and put us in a bad spot but overall you know we're happy with the results and now we just got to go home and uh play good baseball this weekend i mean that line right there you know or, or earlier in that comment if you follow this team you know it's a roller coaster and you can so almost you can almost see him grinning as he says it as if to say boy has this been up up and down with this team all year all over the place this has to have been taxing on the manager this season last year was taxing in a lot of ways this is worse up and down and up and down, back and forth. They look awful. They play okay. They make plays one night. They don't make it the next. Got to be wearing them out. I can't imagine a manager that would like managing a team like this. Jim is in Florida. Jim, go. Yeah, Tony, the thing that's going to bother me about uh, Betts coming to town this weekend, it's going gonna, it's gonna to harken me back to that 2018 season when uh, the Red Sox won the World Series and you remember that squad, Tony? I mean, 
I look back and it's like, why didn't we hold on to those guys? And listen, Betts, put aside all how the negotiations went, Betts was a keeper. You know, to me, he was one of the most dynamic players that the Red Sox have ever had, except maybe for a young Carly Skremski. Yeah, but I'm going to let you go because, look, that team was dynamic. I was just saying they won 119 games when you add in the postseason. 108 and 54, then 11 and 3. 119 and 57 they win. Before I forget, let me just, uh, between the lines. It's now time for Between the Limes Baseball Report brought to you by Corona, the official cerveza of Major League Baseball with what to watch out for during this weekend's games. Enjoy the finer life of sports with Corona. Must be 21 plus. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Bear imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Last time the Red Sox played the Dodgers was not that World Series. Let's not forget. They played them in the regular season the next year. Uh, the games were in Boston. The Dodgers won two out of three. The Red Sox won the opener eight to one. Los Angeles came back, won the next two, 11 to two and seven to four. But they haven't played since Mookie Betts became a Dodger. That will happen for the first time tomorrow night. Once again, there will not be a baseball hour tomorrow night because of the Patriots preseason game. We'll have Patriots preseason football right here on 98.5 The Sports.